talk to you with you this morning about the cycle of life, the cycle of life. Now, we're all familiar with the fact that many things in life have sell-by dates. Nothing in life is intended to last because our throwaway society encourages us to always be thinking of buying new. Now, we know that we live in an era also of recycling and upcycling, and it's quite amazing what people recreate out of things that many people decide to throw away. But when it comes to your life and mine, recycling and upcycling is not an option. And therefore, how we view life becomes incredibly important. I'm going to read you something about a boy and his experience at school. He said, our teacher asked, what was my favourite animal? And I said, fried chicken. She said, I wasn't funny. But it couldn't have been right because everybody laughed. My parents always told me to tell the truth and I did. Fried chicken is my favourite animal. I told my dad what happened and he said my teacher was probably a member of PETA. That is people for the ethical treatment of animals. He said they love animals very much. I do too. Especially chicken, pork and beef. Anyway, my teacher sent me to the principal's office and I told the principal what happened and he laughed. So he told me not to do it again. So the next day in class, my teacher asked me what my favorite live animal was. And I told her it was chicken. She asked me why. So I said, well, because you could make them into fried chicken. <laughs> she sent me back to the principal's office. He laughed, and he told me not to do it again. I don't understand. My parents taught me to be honest, but my teacher doesn't like it when I'm honest. Today, my teacher asked us which famous person we admire most. And I told her, Carl Sanders. <laughs> Guess where I am now. <laughs> Perspective is incredibly important. We all have perspectives on things, and one of life's big questions is a question that we all need to have perspective on. And it's simply this question, what is the purpose of life? You've probably got your own ideas, but the Alpha course that uh, Silas was just reminding us of a moment ago, faces up to these big questions and there are spin-off questions that come from that big question. Why are we here? What's my life all about? What are we living for and what's going to happen when I die? We all need to have a perspective on life's big questions. Now, we had read to us by Sarah just a moment ago from a book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes, which was written by a very wise king named King Solomon. He lived some 3,000 years ago. And Solomon, in his wisdom, in his opening gambit, he literally says this, everything in life is meaningless. What's the point? Was really what he was saying. And he unpacks his theory of meaningless 
by writing these words. What do people get from all their hard work under the sun? Generations come, generations go, but the earth never changes, the sun rises, the sun sets, it comes back to rise again. The wind blows south, then it blows north, around the mountain, goes coming in circles, rivers coming to the sea, but the sea is cold. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out again to the sea. Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we're never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we're not content. History nearly repeats itself, it's all been done before, nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, here's something new, but actually it's old. Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past and in the future, and generations will come and no one will remember what we're doing now. 3,000 years ago, that was quite relevant today, isn't it? What's the point of life? Life is like a race. We have a start and we have a finish. Perhaps that's why we're called the human race. Because there is a circle of life that we all travel and you can't do anything about it. But let's have a little think a bit more together about this. The first thing that we need to understand is that we all have a starting point. And the verses that Sarah read to us this morning, it all begins by saying, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be how many of you have a birthday? Well, it's not a trick question. How many of you have a birthday? Okay. How many of you remember the day you were born? You're a liar, bit. <laughs> Why do we celebrate a day we cannot remember? We celebrate anniversaries because we were there, we remember it, a wedding anniversary or whatever. But none of us can remember the day we were born. I defy anybody to say, yes, I remember. But we have this strange fascination with celebrating our birthday. Well, I suppose it's good for a party and it's good to receive gifts and to get together with families. But there is actually evidence to suggest that you were born, even though you can't remember it. We'll be looking at this chat today. We actually saw evidence of him when he was in the room. But there's evidence that he was born, and there's evidence that his great granddad was also born. Harry. <laughs> Didn't have colour in those days. <laughs> He's actually got out of his pram. <laughs> So even though we can't remember the starting point, there is sufficient evidence for all of us to know that at some point we were born. It's probably a good job we can't remember being born because it's pretty painful for our moms. And I bet it was pretty painful for each one of us, but it's a good job we don't remember that starting point. But we all know we have a starting point. We've all experienced the miracle of conception and birth. We're all here today because of those two miracles. 
King David in the Bible, he, he spoke about this starting point in incredibly graphic terms. This is what he said, I love this. He said, God, you made all my delicate inner parts of my body. You did it together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making it so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How would I know it? You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day. That's incredible. In the secret of the womb, God God knew about as we were being formed in that miraculous process. I want to say to you, first of all, this morning, you're not a mistake. Some people go through life and say, well, I wasn't meant to do it. Yes, you were. There was never a time when you were not meant to do it. Rick Warren, he writes in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, this amazing thought. He said, regardless of the circumstances of your birth or who your parents are, God had a plan in creating you. It doesn't matter whether your parents were good, bad, or indifferent. God knew that those two individuals possessed exactly the right genetic makeup to create the custom-made you that God had in mind. They had the DNA God intended and wanted to make you. Many children are unplanned by their parents, but they are not unplanned. Your starting point in life was planned. Your starting point in life was divinely purposed. And the Bible reminds us that there is a time to be born. There is a moment when each one of us come into the world. And from the moment we start to breathe our first breath, the cycle or the journey of life begins. Now, we all want the best life possible. We all pursue what will make us happy. There's nothing wrong with that. How many of you have a bucket list? I had on my bucket list to jump out. But I don't think Janice would let me do that. But we all have things in life we'd like to achieve. Goals that we want to fulfill. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's good. But Jesus gives us a warning when he says this. He says, what will you gain if you win the whole world, if you achieve everything in life you want? What will it give you if in the process you lose your life? You gain nothing because there's nothing you can gain or give to regain your life. And Jesus also said elsewhere, a person is a fool, they're stupid if they store up earthly wealth but do not have a rich relationship with God. Let's think a little bit more. We all have a starting point, but then the Bible tells us that we get a restart opportunity. In the Bible, we read of a, a very religious man who one day came to Jesus and said, Jesus, we know that God has sent you to teach us particularly because of all the amazing miracles that you perform. You couldn't do that if God wasn't with you. 
No doubt this man believed that religion was very important, and you might think he was actually patronising Jesus by sort of patting him on the back and saying, you know, we know that you're somebody quite amazing. But Jesus floored him with his response. Because Jesus turned around to this man and he simply says, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. In other words, Jesus is saying, your relationship can't help you know God, you need a rebirth. Did you know that God is not particularly interested in religion? Because he's a God of relationship and he wants a relationship with you, not a religious experience with you. And the problem with religion is that it's, it's a taskmaster because it leaves you feeling you're never quite good enough. And this religious leader that came to Jesus, his name was Nicodemus, and he was shocked by the response of the Lord Jesus. And he came back to Jesus and he simply said, well, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and then be born again. He couldn't understand it. Jesus then goes on in John chapter 3 to explain that this is a spiritual rebirth. Do you ever wish you could turn the clock back? Do you ever look back over your life and think, oh gosh, wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't made that mistake. I wish I could just turn the clock back and, and, and redo that bit of life again. We all have those thoughts. We all have moments of, of regret and wish that perhaps somehow we could start life over again. That, that's normal. There's a guy who's been in the news this week because he's a very good golfer. If you like golf, you'll know the name of Tiger Woods. He's playing in the Masters Championship. He said this not so long ago. He said, I've let my family down and I regret those transgressions with all of my heart. This very famous, world-renowned sportsman made mistakes and he says, I regret it with all of my heart. If he could turn the clock back and relive his life, I'm sure he would love to. And many people are like that. Many people live with regret. And the problem with living with regret is that you get stuck in your past failures. Your history then determines your destiny if you can't deal with the mistakes of the past. But Jesus, in speaking to this guy, Nicodemus, he literally says to him, there's an opportunity for a restart. Your mistakes don't have to dog your present and your future. And the whole purpose of Jesus entering in this world and dying on the cross was to give us the opportunity for a restart. That's what Easter is all about. That's what the hope of Easter is all about, that Jesus came into our world because he knew that we'd made a mess of things. He knew that we'd all fallen short of the standard that God expects. And he knew that we will live with a sense of guilt and failure. But the Bible says God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. So that you and I could have the opportunity of a restart of being born again. The past can be forgiven. Your slate can be wiped clean through the blood 
of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus went to the cross to pay the price for all our wrongs. And he rose again so that we could have new life or a restart. This is what the Bible tells us. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. The Bible also says there is no condemnation, no guilty verdict for those who are in Christ, those who believe on him as their personal Lord and Savior. You don't have to live with your past failures. Jesus offers us a restart to his death and resurrection. So we have a starting point. We have a restart opportunity, but in the circle of life, it concludes with a time to die. I don't want to depress you this morning, but I want to finish life well. Some of you know that I run marathons. I like distance running. And whenever I run a marathon, a half marathon, I, I make a, a promise to myself. Two promises. One is that I will never stop. I will never walk. Unless I'm injured. But I'll keep going, even if my run is barely a run. I'll keep going. And back in September, I did the Winchester Half Marathon, and it's horrible. I didn't know there were so many hills in Winchester. And the people in Winchester, they tell you lies. Yeah. Because <laughs> you get to the last point, and they say, it's all downhill from now. I turned the corner and there's another hill. Horrible. <laughs> Number six until I got down running along St. Catherine's Hill and it was nice and flat by the But anyway, it was good fun and I raised a lot of money for prostate cancer. But I made myself two promises that I will not walk and that I will finish well. And no matter how shattered I feel, I sprint to the finish. Because I don't want to just stumble over the finish line. I said at the beginning, we're called the human race because life is like a race. When you come to the end of your circle of life, will you finish well? You see, one day our lives will be illustrated by a simple dash. Not very inspiring. I like going to cemeteries. And you read this. But you know, nobody ever wrote up the tombstone that I should spend more time in the office. Or I wish I spent more time playing football. Every tombstone speaks of a relationship. The daughter of, the father of, the son, loving husband, loving wife. Why? Because we were designed for relationship because God is a God. He wants a relationship with each and every one of us and he made it possible for us. But one day, your life and mine will be represented essentially by a dash. The date you were born, the date you were died, you died, and in the middle, the dash that represents your life. It's probably a dash because they couldn't write everything you did in your life. So let's just reduce it down to a dash. You were born, and you died. And when the circle of your life comes to an end, will you finish well? Do you have a hope beyond the grave? 
Is your eternal destiny secure or uncertain? Just look at the screen for a moment, one of my favourite speakers. Now, this is just an analogy. You've woke up in a gigantic pizza. In front of you is a huge screen. All of a sudden, doors open, angel flies in, comes up to you and says, Welcome to the theatre of judgment. Relax. Watch the screen. There on the screen, you see your life. Everything you ever did here on earth, everything you ever said here on earth, and everything you ever thought, those are what are called the sins of commission. But then you proceed to watch the sins of omission, all the things we should have done, but we didn't. At the end of the film, as you're recovering, the angel comes back and says, relax. There's going to be a second show. All the people who are featured in the film of your life are all waiting outside. We're just going to let them in to come view your life a second time. How would you feel if your life were judged on that basis? That is exactly how God judges in an instant. I don't know about you, me, I would not want a private feeling, let alone a public view of my life. I could not be convinced that I thought, said, and done things that I should have, and the things I should have done that I didn't do. And what a lot of people don't realize is all that stuff on the film as the consequence of disconnecting us from God, and it works a bit like an overdraft in a bank account. If you have an overdraft, I have an overdraft, you can't help me, I can't help you. The only one who can help us is someone in credit. But a lot of people won't admit and acknowledge that. So what do a lot of people they kind of deflect it. The dumb man, what was that for? What was that for? The dumb man, the dumb for? It was the parents, it was the, you know, the teachers, no, not me, not me. They try and dis kind of deflect it on somebody else. Others deny it. Other people feel so uncomfortable with it, they try and drown it. Listen, if you are guilty in the in the sight of God, you cannot deny it. You cannot you can't drown it. The only way you can get rid of it is to dissolve it in the blood of Jesus. The Apostle Paul, at the end of his life, finished well. He made this statement I've fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I've remained faithful, and now a prize awaits me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord Jesus, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to You can finish life well through 
the Lord Jesus Christ, who is in credit, as J. John said on that film. We've been celebrating this morning the birth of Seth. He'll be one, I think, in this coming week. And his name, Seth, literally means granted or given. And he's named after one of the children that Adam and Eve had. Adam and Eve had three sons, Cain, Abel, and Seth. Abel died. But then Eve was able to have another son, and she named him Seth, saying, I've been given or granted another son to replace Abel, who died. I want to end this morning by simply saying that Jesus has granted or given us forgiveness through his death on the cross and his resurrection so that we can all finish life well if we accept what he did for each and every one of us. Don't take life for granted. There is an end point coming. We don't know when that end point might come. And so the challenge to all of us is to finish well by putting our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Towards the end of the 19th century, Alfred Noble, the Swedish chemist, woke up one morning to find his obituary in the local newspaper. It read, Alfred Noble, the inventor of dynamite, who died yesterday, devised a way for more people to be killed than has ever been known before. It was actually his brother who had died, and the newspaper got the wrong epitaph. But the article had a profound effect upon Alfred. He wanted to be remembered for something other than a method of killing people and making a fortune in the process. So he invented the Nobel Prize, which is an award for scientists, writers and those who foster peace in the world. And this is what Noble said. Every person ought to have the chance to correct his epitaph in midstream and write a new one. Jesus gives us that chance. Jesus gives us that opportunity through the life that he came to give us as our saviour. Send over that. Thank you.